Ain't you sick of giving me your money? Oh, it's... Oh, oh. I know he yeah. didn't do it, baby. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where you going? No, I'm about to go make these drop Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bradley D'Lo Thomas uh, for the Black Currency Podcast. I am hyped because I actually have a real podcast mic. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Uh, I am a marketing professional by day in the biotechnology industry, uh, producer and MC by passion, and I'll pass the microphone. Hey, it is Opal Elisa. I am a director of multicultural business strategy by day and by passion. I am a poet, spoken word artist. MC, author, multi-hyphenate, all of the above. I will pass the mic now to Corey. What's going on? It's Corey Dashta Whitmore, uh, owner and founder of Media 22. By day, I'm putting together a summer program for my boys because we failed to get them into any summer programs. <laughs> and then by night, I'm sitting here in the studio trying to get caught up on mixing, 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 mixing. So uh, anybody trying to get some studio time, no, I'm about a week or two out. <laughs> Nice. Stay on the hustle. (laughs) (laughs) So today we have a very, very special guest. Um, I'm going to call her doctor because that's what her students call her because today we're about to learn something. Um, She has over 25 years of experience in the educational field. Um, She's a consultant. She's a teacher. Um, She is a mentor. Uh, She's currently at university teaching in residency professor as well um she's won various awards one of them is the uh, wyca madison's women of distinction award and and just tons and tons of if i keep talking about this woman we will be here for another 10 to 15 minutes of all the accolades that she has earned but one of the coolest things that i think that she does is she's out to help the future and she's actually doing things about it as the ceo and founding executive director of CEOs for Tomorrow I, uh, Inc. She's doing incredible things. I'm not going to get into you know, everything that she's doing. She's going to explain that stuff to you because we're going to ask her those important questions. And with this episode, like our other ones, I always hold up that notebook, mm-hmm. right? We got to take these notes down and pay attention to what 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 she's going to drop on you because there's going to be a lot of jewels. So without further ado, uh, Dr. Roxy Hitz, please welcome her to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Hello. Hey, hello. Welcome. Hello. Happy to welcome, have you. Welcome. Yes, it is a pleasure. So you you have such an extensive uh, journey, um, just, just working in business and working in the financial literacy field in many different ways. So can, can you kind of tell us like what your journey was, like what kind of led you, what sparked you to even have interest to kind of go in this direction? No, um, Good question, Bradley. So I have to start with my my parents. Uh, my dad was born in 1920, my mother in 1928 in Mississippi. Wow. My father went through eighth grade, smartest man I know. Uh, and my mother had an associate's degree. But one of the things that they taught us, all of us, was to stay on the grind. In other words, how can you be the best you can be using the talents you have and use that to be the best you can be. And that also related to finances. They didn't know a lot about finances, but they did make sure they positioned us in places where we can really do well. I started working at age 14 uh, at Planned Parenthood as a teen peer educator. Awesome. Knew I wanted to be a teacher since I was probably 10 and had all the neighborhood kids on the <laughs> <laughs> it, was it. Really, it was really that job that right. taught me about finances. I got my first check and I was like, wow, what if I save this? And I don't know where that came from, but it was the impetus for Mm. all that's happened financially for me and the education I've been able to uh, instill in other people around finances and entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and using education as a tool to get there. 
So the journey has been real. And I think having my parents as a foundation for just putting me in positions to be able mm. to learn um, has been really influential. And it's it's made a difference. Hmm. That is awesome. So did I hear you correctly? I think you said your mother was born in 1928 and she had an associate's degree as a black woman. Yeah. So like in the forties at some, wow. Even then. Uh, She was an entrepreneur too. Uh, And I watched that. She she owned, her name was Daisy and she owned Daisy's fashion house. She was a fashion designer and designed her own clothes. She also owned Daisy's charm and finishing school. So we had to learn speech and etiquette and personal grooming and modeling and things like that. Uh, But seeing her um, uh, work and run her own business and bring in income Mm -hmm. and be able to sustain our family, along with my father, who was a mechanic for Greyhound. He wanted to be a driver Mm -hmm. and they didn't Mm -hmm. allow African-American people at the time to drive. Mm -hmm. So he was a mechanic for 30 years um, at Greyhound. And he taught me, you know, to work hard and make an impact. Wow, that's amazing. That is just like, yeah, I'm gonna be thinking about that for a minute. That is incredible. Um, yeah, I can see why you were doing what you were doing with CEOs of Tomorrow. Absolutely, that, that is in your blood. Um, so with, with having that foundation, um, what is, you've gotta have a philosophy um, for success. What's your philosophy around success? You know, people hear me say this all the time. Uh, I often say when the door closes, go out the window. There are so many barriers, so many doors that get closed. Mm -hmm. And I believe, and I've shared this with young people as well, no is not an answer. When someone closes the door, find the window. Make sure that you get what you need in order to succeed. But I also believe that also comes with honesty and being humble. Because one of the things is once you have an opportunity, how do you then reach back and use that opportunity as elevation? for other people. Mm-hmm. So I believe that you you continue to move forward through windows or doors or whatever it needs to be to be successful while also reaching back through that window and bringing others through it too. Absolutely. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Man, there's already been, started been okay. so, <laughs> so much. I, I, I knew this was going to happen when we get into it. It's like, Tanya. I got all these other ideas. <laughs> But I know we we gotta we gotta follow follow a little bit of order to make sure our listeners are able to follow um, <laughs> with everything that's going on. Um, my question is 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 what is it what is it like um, your day to day? What is your day to day like? Because I know you're involved in so many things, especially um, you know as a consultant stuff with CEOs of tomorrow. Um, like what what is a typical day for you look like and how and how do you order your day and and kind of schedule your day yeah you know when when balancing so many things um you want to also think about health too and i just have to bring that up because when you're balancing so many things you often lose can easily lose sight of your your personal well-being um my day looks crazy every day uh, <laughs> um ceos of tomorrow has grown tremendously Uh, And so the consulting that I do, I'm an education consultant uh, and I work with school districts and also educators to improve education, particularly for kids of color. Mm -hmm. How do we bring uh, rigorous, relevant curriculum into our classrooms? Well, I do that. But as CEOs of Tomorrow has grown, we have nine programs that we're offering year round. Uh, When I launched in 2016, we had one and it was only Mm -hmm. in the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, we also take kids out of the country when there's no COVID or have intercultural classes with students in different countries, particularly Africa, who join our classes. Uh, and then now we have so many schools and organizations that have um, contracted with us to bring our programs to them in addition to our multiple programs that we offer. So mm-hmm. a typical day, <laughs> I wake up in the morning um, mentally and, and emotionally ready to fight and work for um, youth. Uh, I go into the office and I have staff that I'm managing and their programs. We're constantly looking for uh, rigorous, relevant, engaging ways to spark Mm. the minds of young people um, and infuse that into the programs that we offer. That goes all day. 
Um, we're, either, we're in schools, in the offices, creating curriculum, designing programming, interacting with our local, national, and international partners to ensure that our reach uh, for our young people is beyond the doors of Madison. We're working with people like you, Corey, mm. uh, as one of our intern sponsors, where our teen entrepreneurs are actually working in businesses, uh, local bring businesses, bringing their knowledge, skills, and youth to those businesses while also being mentored. At the end of the day, though, uh, I shared and I started earlier, it's important to take time for you. Right. Always, yeah. even if it's before bed reading for enjoyment, uh, I have to say, <laughs> uh, to really give my mind and body a rest. I'm also a runner and I love all things outdoors, fishing, mm. hiking, canoeing, boating, uh, all things uh, outdoors. So if I can squeeze something like that in, I'll do that too. But it's largely really uh, a life commitment to working on behalf of, of young people. Mm. And that's every day. Mm. That's Thank beautiful. You. Yeah, that's you said awesome. so much, like including just like, I think you said, just like expanding the horizons for youth because that's so true. Like I'm a firm believer that if you can't see it, it's really, really hard to be something that you haven't seen, especially that's in real exactly life. So you're true. taking kids outside the city limits outside of the country like that's phenomenal um most people i grew up with did not leave this country um yet right 30s and 40s haven't left the country so that is incredible so thank you for sharing that and the self-care uh especially for black women we tend to work 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 and not do that so thank you for being a model for that that's amazing thank you yeah awesome awesome i'm i'm just kind of in awe right now <laughs> of everything you just said especially like taking the kids out of the community and letting them see the world like almost like I, I, that is that is so important. Um, in terms of getting into some of these schools, and some of these systems, um, do do you think there are certain ways that we could probably get more teachers and principals, administrators more involved in things, or you know, in, in the programs that you are running? Like, are there are there certain things that you think could be done a lot better? And how like how would you do it? Yeah, and that's a good question. Um, I've been in education for thirty years now. Even when I say that, it seems crazy. like, yeah, how, how can I be that old, right? Um, but anyway, I've been in education for 30 years. Um, and in that time, um, Bradley, I started teaching at age 22 in the inner city of Milwaukee, um, African-American, low-income students. In my first year, my students exceeded city and suburban students. And that consistently happened. I was then called to um, work with a program to bring more teachers of color into the middle schools. Mm -hmm. And my role was to coach, mentor, and develop them. So they were um, professionals who were leaving their careers to teach. Uh, and what I found during that is that's how we inspire kids, right? It does matter to have people who look like you represented in classrooms. It's mm -hmm. critical. Um, I went to school in Wauwatosa. I was the only African, only person of color and I started in fifth grade, the only one in fifth grade, the only one in sixth grade. When we went to seventh grade, there were two of us. We're still best friends today. Decades <laughs> later, right? Yeah. And what we learned, what I learned, we had a principal who came, uh, a white female. This was high school now, still in Wauwatosa. Mm -hmm. uh, and a white principal came and we learned she had an African-American husband. There were eight of us in high school and we got so excited, even though she wasn't black. He was connected to someone. Yeah, black. for sure. Yes. Yeah, it matters. Yeah, kids have yeah. to see and know representation matters. Mm -hmm. um, and it also is just this sense of identity and connection. And it doesn't mean that other people, a white person, can't successfully teach a black child. I've seen that numerous times. Mm -hmm. But if we want to make sure to hold on to our educators, particularly those of color, that all mm -hmm. kids will benefit from not just kids yes. of color, all kids will benefit from. We have to create a, a system both in the schools and in the communities that welcomes, values, and validates these professionals who are here. Um, I worked uh, for the Department of Public Instruction that's all, you know, over all the schools in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. My role as an education state consultant was to help close the racial achievement gap in, here in Wisconsin. Uh, and one of the things that is prevalent 
is especially in Madison, and I didn't know this until I moved here, mm-hmm. it's difficult to te- keep teachers and educators of color. At the same time, um, while at DPI, African-American students were doing worse in Madison than anywhere in the United States. Mm-hmm. Worse in mm-hmm. Madison than anywhere in the United States. Representation matters mm-hmm. in holding students um, and teachers to a high bar I'll end by saying I was also the culturally responsive teacher leader for Milwaukee Public Schools. Um, The first in that position, the goal was to teach teachers and administrators how to incorporate rigorous, relevant. And I keep saying that because a lot of times people teach holidays and heroes. That's Mm. not, Mm. we're talking about integrating rigorous, relevant cultural curriculum into math, English, language arts, science in all the curricular areas, because that's when kids can relate to it, grow from it, while also increasing the rigor. So I say it's not really pay, it's not um, um, the training, because the teachers uh, and educators are are trained, but how do we create a safe system here where uh, educators are valued uh, and their worth, their intellect uh, can be really I'm sewn within the fabric of the education system. When that happens, our kids thrive. Mm. And I'm hoping that we'll continue um, as a city to really do what we need to do to open the doors for teachers of color and keep that door, Mm. that door open. Yeah, Mm. that's, that's, you struck so many nerves from from what you just said, because I'm, I'm from Madison and I know the system here. And there's a lot of other people that are from here that basically kind of got pushed through high school um, who have now kind of went on to to do bigger things. And I still remember the, I think the only, the only black teacher I've ever had, uh, her name is Miss Bernard. Um, So that, that, that is so true. It it, it sticks with you. It makes you confident when you step in the room and you're like, okay. Okay. And Opal said earlier, I love that Bradley. Opal said later, you know, you can you can see yourself mm. in a role when you see someone who looks like you in it. Mm. And Absolutely. you know, it, it is it is true in education too. Um, as our numbers diminish for teachers of color in education, and there's still programs to bring, like the one that I worked for, to bring mm. teachers of color in. Um, kids need to see that too. We become and we aspire to be professionally what we see. That's and right. what we know. And so it's important if we're talking about increasing the education, um, even financial education for youth, they have to see people who live it, breathe it, know it. Uh, and no better place for that to be um, than in the rooms, classrooms, and also programs that are run, run for youth. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Thank you for sharing that. And Thank you for doing what you're doing and what you've done. Like you said, you've, um, and I'm sure that isn't the only position you've had where you've been the first. Um, I just see you as somebody who has probably done that more than once. Um, Shonda Rhimes has this um, phrase of first, only different FOD. Um, and just acknowledging that those people tend to blaze trails, uh, but it's not easy. There's no blueprint for what you're doing. Um, there's typically no peers um, for what you're doing. So just kudos to you for um blazing those trails in these spaces. I like Bradley grew up in Madison, had no black teachers in elementary school, no black teachers in middle school. And when I got to high school, I had a few, I could tell you, Mr. Jones, Mr. Field, and Ms. Jackson. <laughs> now, Ms. Jackson had us read the bluest eye. <laughs> she uh-huh. had us read every black book and it was just powerful. Yep. And it's because there are those people and you know that they went to school, right? And so you know that you can do that too. You know, you uh-huh. go to college and everything like that. And then we also had the pleasure of having uh, Miss Greer and Miss Stafford and Miss Olson, who were like our minority service coordinators in counseling. Uh-huh. And it just made all the difference. And they're not just there in their roles. They also took us under their wing in so many ways. And I still talk to this day, to this day. Like they have to tell my friends that I like, stop calling me Miss Olsen. I'm Michelle. Um, <laughs> we're only like eight years apart. <laughs> but you just, you grow, you really do. You see yourself and you know that you can do that. And you've got folks that believe in you. So um, just, I can't imagine, you know, you're still touching the lives of youth, but I can't imagine how many there have been. 
um, within that time from when you started teaching at 22 um, until now. So just kudos to you. So brings us kind of in, I feel like it brings us into, you know, when we talk about CEOs tomorrow and this concept of social entrepreneurship, because like you said, it's the whole system. It's something bigger. So can you enlighten us in our audience as well on what that concept really is and what it entails? Absolutely. Um, In 2011, I won a Fulbright Distinguished Teacher Award that took me to South Africa to teach at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. And my focus was on integrating entrepreneurship education into K-12 education. And they already, it's required to do entrepreneurship starting in fourth grade there. My mentor um, said to me, it's not enough to teach children how to open a business. You need to teach them to change the world. Hmm. And it was while I was there that I wrote my first book for teachers on how to integrate social entrepreneurship into their education. Uh, I had never even heard of it, never thought about it. It was 2011. Now it's so popular. Everyone's saying social entrepreneurship. And I see why. It's not enough to teach our young people how to make money. Hmm. How to have an entrepreneurial mindset. All those things are critical, right? They're, they they impact every career. But if we can't teach them how to actually change the world, hmm. life remains the same for them. Our students have addressed 46 social issues so far since I launched in 2016 wow. of importance to them, from racism to police brutality to um, homelessness to women's rights. And the hmm. list goes on and on. These young people, I believe, If you um, put a child in front to lead, they will always unwrap their brilliance. Mm. And that's what we see with young people, right? It's important that they know they don't have to wait for us to change something that they know is wrong, that's impacting them, their families, their communities, their friends. They can do it today, including opening a business that not only brings wealth to themselves and for some to their families, Mm-hmm. but also change the world. We've had one student mm-hmm. whose business has gone national. He was on Good Morning. Wow. We've had two students who have been on Project Pitchett, which is mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin's television show, Shark Tank. We've had multiple, nice. who may not have been on TV, many on radio, TV, things like that. But it's so cool to hear them talk about their issues when they're talking about their business. Mm. It's not just, this is how much money I made. And yeah. this is sure. But let me tell you about police brutality and why my mm. business is addressing it. Mm. Let me tell you mm. about racism and immigration reform and what it's done to my life, my family, my community, and my business is tackling it right now. Mm. That's strong. If you give that child that foundation now, imagine mm what he or she or they would be able to do. So that's what we're excited yeah. about. And that's why we do social entrepreneurship. It's not just making money, but also using your business also for social good. I got goosebumps when you were just talking <laughs> and screaming that like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, change the world. Uh, yes. That's incredible. I, I mean, our it's... fourth graders are doing, as, as young as fourth grade. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really excited to see what these young people are doing. I definitely see this. This talk has been long overdue. I actually needed you on another podcast called Pick Up the Mic (laughs) last year (laughs) when I was talking with high school students about the achievement gap here in Madison. So we we may have to connect on that. I may have to send you some some links. Um, But what... What's what's been incredible, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure that the people that are listening are thinking the same thing. Like you have a way of pulling the best out of some out of out of these students to really get them to to achieve at a high level. Um, I know when I did the podcast for Pick Up the Mic, one of the things that um, I don't know if it su- surprised me. But it was it was something that stuck with me is is how quickly the youth now are able to analyze the situation around them mm-hmm. and then be able to articulate to you what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, something mm-hmm. as complex as, as the achievement gap, opportunity gap in Madison, mm-hmm. you know, these high school juniors and seniors were able to say, well, these are the things that are happening. 
And here are different ways to try and 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 correct that. And and it just kind of blew me away because then turned into it. I didn't know if we would actually get solutions, but we could at least talk about the experience. What are you finding in the youth that are coming through CEOs of tomorrow? What mm-hmm. is what is surprising you? What is you know what is shining through? Because when we talk about a lot of things, you know, having to do with social justice, you know, some of us are always looking for, well, who are the next group that are going to take that mantle? What are they going to do and, and how are they going to do it? Um, and you, you've you given us some examples. But what have you seen in, in, you know, this generation of youth? Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, immediately came comes to mind, although there's multiple things, Corey, as you were asking that question, I got to really briefly tell this story. And this has happened with multiple students. We have no barriers for entry. We don't care about grades, nor do we see them. We don't mm. care about income, mm. nor do we see it. Like, mm. we don't care. We know that all kids, I've said this before, are wrapped mm. in brilliance if given the right situation and the right instructor. That's right. That, that is true. We've had so many children who've said, and this has been principals too, in schools we've worked with. These are our challenging kids. And I'm like, I wish teachers could see you right now. We've mm. had students who have said, my teacher said I'm not smart. Or mm. this is the first time we run a, a course um, that happens on weekdays at, and it's at Madison College. It's from nine until noon. And when I started it in 2016, people said, teenagers are not getting up on us in the summer, coming to class at nine in the morning, right. twice a week. Not only were they there at 9, they were there at 8.30, mm-hmm. 8 o'clock. One boy one day, because I'm there an hour to an hour and a half early, he's been kicked, he was kicked out of four schools. His attendance mm-hmm. rate is 20%. Oh, wow. 100% attendance. He walked in the room one day and he was like, Dr. Hitz, where you been? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 7 o'clock. No, I'm not getting you know, and I say that all to say, um, Corey, back to what you were saying, what surprises me is how often we, and I think this is all of us, um, mm-hmm. barring race, gender, class, realizing that our kids are smarter than we think. That's why I take mm-hmm. them out of the country. We mm-hmm. fly them to Africa. Yeah. They've never done that before. I took kids mm-hmm. who had not even been on an airplane. Right. Mm-hmm. If you have the knowledge to change Madison, let's help you change the world. Yeah. We take them to Africa. They work with orphan teens who are also wonderful and brilliant um, and teach them entrepreneurship. And before we leave, they together launch a business for social good that can impact their communities while bringing revenue. Uh We're excited, hopefully, that in 2023, uh, COVID has like not been so ugly (laughs) and it will be safe for us to travel again. But mm-hmm. what I realize with the young people and what surprises me is their resilience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times, and we can learn a lesson from that, right? right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter Sorry. how many times they're knocked down, if you keep telling them you can do it, if you keep telling them you've got it, you're smart, you have it, I'm here, they will get up. Even when that doesn't happen, they will mm-hmm. get up and keep marching forward. And that's why I applaud our young people. Mm-hmm because they have the depth, breadth, and and strength to keep things rolling. And we all can learn a lesson from them. Very much. Amen. Very much. No, that's right. I know In that. life and business. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Inspiring. So ha- have you, have any of your students ever thought about kind of, you know, um, doing what you do, like starting their own nonprofit and, you know, kind of building out other CEOs or in, in their own different way? Have you had that? We we get that a lot, and especially like college students who Mm. and of Mm. color Mm -hmm. who are coming to us asking, "Can I work for CEOs of Tomorrow?" And I have this vision of mine. We have Mm -hmm. one um, who uh, was with us from the time she started college, so right out of high school, the summer, and through her the end of her freshman year. I'm sorry, the, the first year out of undergrad. Mm. Um, and she came to us saying, I want to start a nonprofit in Ethiopia to wow. help women oh, wow. who are homeless. Okay. That okay. used to be hurt as a child. Wow. She's mm. running that today. Wow. We have another young lady. We just hired her. She starts tomorrow. Um, <laughs> she too is in college, African-American female. 
She's like, I want to run a nonprofit. I've heard mm -hmm. about you. Can mm -hmm. I come work for CEOs of tomorrow while learning? I believe that a lot of people have helped me to get to whatever, wherever it is I am today. Mm -hmm. I thirst to give it back. Uh, I have nothing that belongs to me. All of it has been contributions that have been gifts to me. So not only do our staff and young people grow up and want to be um, change agents um, and launch businesses, uh, even nonprofits, uh, so do our young staff that, that are watching too. Most importantly, Corey, though, our students, we they can earn up to eight Madison College credits. They can earn mm. up to six MMSD nice. high school credits mm. through our programs. Oh, wow. Sun Prairie has jumped on board and they now, Sun Prairie students can earn high school credits and college credits through our program. Nice. Our students can earn 11 digital badges, the same ones that adults receive. They're wow. credited and verifiable. Um, so more important to me than that is for our students. I don't care if they go to college, but I want them to know that they can if they choose to. So we have a lot of our programs and colleges and universities because I want them to know you belong here too, if you choose to be. You're smart enough, you're capable enough, and there's a place for you. So we want to also arm our kids with credentials mm -hmm. so that when they're going out into the world, be it for a career or college or whatever they chose to do post high school, they're armed with these credentials that they can walk into a room with their heads held high and be able to say, this is what I've accomplished. And that's what we're looking to do also for our young people. We don't care if they become entrepreneurs. We want them to be entrepreneurial thinkers who, um, who can fall and yes. forward, who right. can fail and mm -hmm. fail with honor, mm -hmm. who can um, work in a team, who can speak with, with confidence, all those entrepreneurial skills that you get mm -hmm. from practicing being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. are valuable no matter what career you choose. So I don't really, it's not a priority for me if they open a nonprofit, which would be cool. I have to say that. That's cool too. But yeah. I do know they walk away armed right. with credentials, experiences, and most importantly, a higher level of confidence to tackle the world that they're going to enter as adults. Yeah. I really like the fact that you 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 were very intentional about saying if you choose to go to college. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, because mm -hmm. there, there are kids out here that mm -hmm. have that kind of complex, like I have to go to college in order for mm -hmm. me to be mm -hmm. intelligent or successful, which is not true. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. But what we do see is um, some of our students looking and thinking either they're not smart enough, they're not good enough, they don't have enough money, it's for the other kids mm -hmm. and want to and feel right. like they can't, they don't belong, they don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. And we want them to know that if they choose that or whatever they choose, right. they have right. what it takes. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's nothing they can account. If they can open a business, there are adults who spend years trying to open a business or right. dreaming to open a business mm -hmm. right. Right. Teach a kid to open a business in 10 weeks mm -hmm. with customers lined up at the door mm. and that that i think is really exciting our students have launched 156 businesses well 64 mm. now mm. 164 since i started in 2016 there was only one business launched in 2016 so since 2017 to now 164 businesses uh, addressing wow. six social issues. Mm. Kids are amazing. If That's we give them a platform to mm. do it. Wow. That is incredible. You a check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many devs like like arm our our kids with credentials. Um yes. just like so many, it's just revolutionary the way that um you've thought about people and are thinking and understanding intelligence and what is needed and how, like, I love this. You said, we don't, we don't count grades. We don't want to see them. Um, just how liberating that could be um, mm -hmm. for someone who is struggling with school, how liberated that can be for someone who's only been valued because they got great grades. Um, there's so many, so many pieces in there um, that are just amazing. And I can just imagine how impactful that is and beneficial, um, especially for our kids um, who are judged on so many things. And you're kind of, I just, visualize these open arms um, when they're when they're coming in here. I love how you said that there's no barriers for entry. That is 
incredible. I hope that folks are taking notes and listening to that and seeing how they can apply that um, in their own um, areas of expertise and things too. So you talked about resilience, you talked about um, the confidence, um, you talked about the brilliance, which I am 100% with you in believing that children are inherently brilliant. They're so mm -hmm. smart and um, they can be fearless. Um, what are those other traits that that make a good CEO when you when you see it in a child, when you see it in someone that's middle age, when you see it in someone's older? What, what are those additional traits that really are needed? You know, um, Opal, I'm going to talk about kids first and then I'll say adults. Um, we've had children who come with us, come to us who are shy. You would think a, a student who's like really timid and shy. That may not be a trait for an entrepreneur, but we put the mic in their hand and we put mm -hmm. them on stage. We put two screens next to them with a huge audience. We make it formal and tell them we're right here. Mm. You can do it. I believe everybody has the traits if we help to nurture those traits. Sometimes people don't know that they have it, but inherently someone who um, doesn't mind failing because <laughs> you're constantly pivoting and adjusting mm. as an entrepreneur. So failure has to be okay. We've got to, we have to like reshape the mindsets of our kids because we've taught them that failure isn't good. We even give them an F and make them like fail um, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. That gets internalized. So we have to do a lot of work to like recondition what failure is because failure is just a setback for a setup for the future. Mm. So it's not, it's not something that is a bad thing. So one, a person who doesn't mind or is comfortable with failure. Right. Two, a visionary. Um, you see a dream, but it's not a dream. It's your reality. And you're going to take steps mm. to make it happen. No matter how long it takes, you're moving towards it. And then the last thing I think that's critical for an entrepreneur is a sense of like, I started with opening with this, you know, when the door closes, go out of the window. Um, when I started my first nonprofit, I was 25 years old. I ran it for 17 years while working for the school district. Um, and uh, I needed I needed a 501c3. I went to the yellow pages. I know those don't probably exist. I went to the yellow pages literally and opened up to lawyers. And I got on the phone calling one at a time, mm. seeing if I can get someone to volunteer to do my documentation for my mm. 501c3. Mm. And finally, someone said, I'll do it. It's about when the door closes, keep going. Mm. Find another entry point. Because to me, uh, as an entrepreneur, there's so many things that you have to be able to negotiate, navigate and experience and be able to do that without feeling rejected. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. just part, it's just a part of the experience. Um, look at it as a fun, well, I do, like this fun game of how can I really get what I need while also at the same time being a model to open, make the door open easier for the people behind me. Mm -hmm. Right. That is beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you meant this for children or people of all ages. Um, I'm 42 <laughs> years old. When you said uh, you see a dream and it's not a dream, it's your reality, that just touched my soul. I was like, you know what? That's for me. <laughs> That's right. for me. So, Morris, thank you. Okay, exactly. That was, that was beautiful. Uh, we hear that a lot. We have a lot of folks who come through who are entrepreneurs or who are doing amazing things. And that piece you said about, uh, keeping going and also just taking action. Like you got the yellow pages and started calling folks, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's something that we've definitely a common theme. So I, I love that you share that as well in your story. Man, I, I, I can't, it, it's, it's remarkable how much this, this conversation feels like, it, it just feels like my experience mm -hmm. <laughs> in my journey with, with so much of you, so many of the things that you said. Um, you know, I, I think I almost did my own CEOs of tomorrow when I also started my first business at 25. Mm. Um, yeah. But part of that was because I felt uh, devalued, I felt mm. underutilized, I felt overlooked. And I, and I think part of that motivation was to prove to myself and prove to other people that I could do something and accomplish something mm -hmm. and be successful at it. So um, 
<laughs> with, with everything you just said, I'm like, oh man, I'm 100% right there. It's almost, you know, give me, you know, memories, deja vu. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to uh, bridge into a little bit of the, the financial aspect. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned you started your first nonprofit at 25. Mm-hmm. For, for listeners that, you know, may be wanting to go down that road as well and say, you know what, you know, I've, I've been inspired. Um, I don't know how you cannot be inspired by the first, <laughs> first 40 minutes here. Say, yes, th- this is enough to get me over that hump to say, hey, I want to I want to try and, 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 and start my first nonprofit. Um, what are some you know advantages and disadvantages that you found starting, you know, a nonprofit versus um, someone like myself who had, had started out for a for profit uh, business? What are some of those things that you've experienced and and some of the things we can make uh, listeners aware of? Yeah, two two things, Corey, that come to mind. One, a nonprofit doesn't mean you don't make profit. It's just right. not profit. The revenue comes back into the business instead of the hands of the shareholders. CEOs of Tomorrow's revenue has tripled or quadrupled every year with wow. the exception of COVID. And at that mm-hmm. time, we stayed level. We didn't like, right. I didn't lose any employees, any programming. We stayed level. Mm-hmm. So the first I want to say is a nonprofit is a business exactly like a regular business. The only difference is the revenue and profits come back into the organization. I also want to share, um, I um, worked uh, at Cardinal Stritch. They have a program for nonprofit leaders. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a nine credit course. I taught the one that was in the middle to teach nonprofit leaders how to run their businesses like a for-profit business. Mm-hmm. A lot of times nonprofits are um, heavily relying on grants and outside funding. And once that funding goes, employees, right. you know, programming yep. are ex. It's important that you have earned revenue. You can earn your own revenue in a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So we have multiple revenue streams, including we have impactful creations, their business kits in the box for eight to 14 year olds. Nice. Fun. Everything they need, including a 41-page book to walk them through. Uh, We have four different business kits, um, a homemade gummy animal business, and they do logos and marketing and pricing and packaging and all of that. And everything's in the box. We have a homemade cookie making and decorating business, a homemade candle and homemade lotion. That's revenue that's coming Mm -hmm. into our organization. Yeah. Also have... um, and again, Corey, you would be familiar. Uh, we also have our internship program and our intern sponsors pay a portion um, of the fees. Mm-hmm. So we're also, we have corporates, corporations that are in companies and businesses that are paying money. We have lots of ways we're bringing in revenue that are outside of grants. Right. So I just yeah. want to share um, for those who are looking to open a nonprofit do not think of it as it's not profitable. Right. It just means sure. not for profit, meaning right. the profits are actually coming um, into the organization rather than to shareholders. So I'd say the first step um, in opening a nonprofit is to engage in, if you haven't already, um, some mentoring, or I always have to give a plug to Upstart. Yes. Um, Mm. Love Upstart. Mm-hmm. You all might yeah. already be familiar. Yeah. Um, and for the listeners who who may not be, it's for uh, women and people of color who are entrepreneurs and they have an entrepreneurial mindset. I even did Upstart with a, a, a master's degree in business and having run a nonprofit. It benefits everybody. And, mm-hmm. and, and our cohort was this bond where we can help and, and inspire and, and support support one another. So I would say, even though it's a nonprofit, to look for opportunities for entrepreneurs, even those who are for profit, because those same tools, strategies for successfully running a business are the same that make a nonprofit successful too. Nice, nice. Is the um is the like actual kind of filing of paperwork process? Is it pretty similar to an LLC? Like I've got an LLC and that wasn't too hard at all. Is it pretty similar? Or is it much yeah. more difficult? Um, I, I think it, I think it's it's pretty simple, and the reason I say mm-hmm. that is because um, UW Madison has a law center 
that'll help nonprofits, small nonprofits or individuals looking to open a nonprofit with all the paperwork. Marquette University also does that. I went to both. Nice. Uh, uh, Anybody who's offering services. Uh, So they'll do all of that work for you. Hmm. So that part's pretty easy. The other piece is, you know, and I say this all the time too, running a business or a nonprofit, um, having a sense of how to manage money. Mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of that comes from your own personal finance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So as you grow and develop, or if that's an area where you're not, that again would be an opportunity um, to look for ways to enhance your financial uh, wellness so that you can apply those same tools to your nonprofit or for-profit business. So I think it's really important to continue to like um, build and grow and edify your mind uh, in order to be in spaces and places. What's also another tip I'll I'll give, I talked about going through the phone book. Um, Now, even though it's not the phone book, um, there are so many, there are so many resources uh, for nonprofits. Madison has per capita so many nonprofits. Yes, yes. There's so yeah. much free or almost free resources mm-hmm. um, for people looking to start a nonprofit. It's incredible here. Um, so it's resource rich. And if that's something you're looking to do, um, there's certainly um, uh, outlooks where you can go right in the community to begin to learn about launching your own nonprofit. The paperwork is is not difficult at all to do because there's so many resources out there that will do it for you for free. Awesome. 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 So I have one question too. Um so when we're doing the uh for for nonprofits, you need a you need a board of directors too, right? So it was is there a certain way that you kind of go about <laughs> deciding who's <laughs> Who are you going to work with when you when you're building that organization or kind of rules that you tell people like these are kind of the things you should look for mm-hmm. for your board? Bradley, did you see me laugh when you asked that question? When I launched my first nonprofit um, when I was 25, um, I started with friends like three. And then um, as I grew the organization, I brought in um, a board consultant through a grant that helped us really develop it. And we had 12 members Mm -hmm. and committees and all of that. And I thought, you know, that's all I knew. You know, you're supposed to do that. I wasn't smart enough, Bradley, to know you have to be selective. Mm -hmm. So one of the people um, who uh, we brought on our board was a philanthropist for a hospital. We're Mm -hmm. like, yay, philanthropist, (laughs) hospital, yay. They're gonna bring money in. He was a saboteur. Mm-hmm. And wow. really, uh, that was he. Not only did he not bring money in, which would have been okay, but he brought angst and discourse, mm-hmm. and it was terrible. I will never. I've, I learned from that. <laughs> yeah. So CEOs of tomorrow's board is different. Mm-hmm. One, you can only be on it if you volunteered in CEOs of tomorrow. You've had some kind of relationship and impact with the organization. Right, right. right. We're not looking just to fill seats. We're yes. looking for commitment to our mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. We also know that your status doesn't directly impact your work on the board. Thanks. Hmm. How much money you have and what your clout or your position is does right. not dictate success on a board. Mm-hmm. We're not right. winning games. <laughs> Amen. Woo! I should say that we again. People who, <laughs> number one, do you value our kids? That's right. why you have to volunteer for an extended period of time before you can even be on the board. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you care about kids, you will care about our work. If you care about our work, you'll raise funds, you'll show up at meetings, you'll do whatever you have to do because you believe in the mission. Right, right. That's how you join our board. We had a gentleman who moved to Madison and he heard about CEOs of Tomorrow. He called and he's like, you know, I have a bunch of, you know, talent. I have a bunch of background. I have a bunch of, and I immediately said, in order to be on the board, you have to volunteer for the organization. He said, I'd be happy to volunteer. He volunteered nine months amazing. We mm. just brought him onto our board. 
Mm. We know he can relate to all the board. We're largely a board of color because I mm -hmm. believe representation mm -hmm. matters. Absolutely. It matters Absolutely. on staff. It matters in the board. It matters mm -hmm. everywhere. Representation right. matters. Um, and he he gets it. Uh, he fits well. We just brought on a new, uh, another board member just recently. We have a board handbook. We also have board tracking sheets. So mm -hmm. here are the expectations and we're tracking if you're making those expectations or not. Mm -hmm. um, so everything's more, a lot more organized. Uh, right. And there's yeah, processes so. for coming on the board, how long you can be on the board, what your roles and responsibilities are, how you contribute to the board that I didn't know when I was younger. I just was like, ooh, well, we're members. Now we're super selective because our kids matter. And if they really matter, we're going to be smart about who we're bringing on board. Absolutely. Both as staff, and we work hard there too, yes. as well as who we're bringing on um, to sit behind those board seats. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you said that and just dropped those gems for the last few minutes here uh, because it, it has become something that I've seen um, on both sides be done for the wrong motivation, where you've got people who are looking to pad their professional portfolio with a board seat, board membership, looking to say I have a connection to the community, even though I don't. I come somewhere and I sit and I listen. For once a and month, and I call exactly mm -hmm, and go home. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Or like you said, the nightmare situation with the, with the saboteurs. I've been close to that recently too. Um, so to hear you say that selective piece, I truly hope that folks, especially in Madison, because we do have, as you said, so many nonprofits, um, are listening to that right and and being selective as you are and thinking about those motivations and putting the time in. That's the piece of it. Like you said, if they care about the kids. They're going to care about the organization continuing to grow and continue to be there um, and the representation piece just being there, too. Um, it's, it's something about knowing um, and being in the shoes that those kids are in now um, that is going to help guide much better um, than someone else can. So I I hope that that echoes and echoes and echoes to folks, because um, I think board membership, at least in my experience, has, I've seen it, unfortunately, being taken lightly. And that passion isn't there. Um, that passion is there in an interview to get the spot, um, but then it leaves. Um, so I love that you were selected. I love that tracking piece because um, things do change over time for people, right? And, and being able to see that this has to be something that's um, a benefit to the organization and the person. And as you said, that changed the world piece. Um, so important. So yeah, I just have to put an explanation point on that because that needs to be said again and again. So thank you for saying it. I agree. And we also respect that these people are volunteering their time. They have families and other commitments. Uh, and we yeah. so appreciate the time and energy that they put into CEOs of Tomorrow. Um, they're volunteering. They're not employees and they're not being paid. So I just want to make sure I say that too, including the gentleman we just brought on. He is a person of color. Um, but the and not that that's we have white board members, too, who are very passionate about this work. Uh, but I do want to say, as we're talking about um, nonprofits and thinking of board members, to remember that they're volunteering. Yeah. 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 And they have lives and families and stressors and all the things mm -hmm. that we have and to try to create a, a family um, so that, you know, they know we care about them not just their time, their money, their, yeah. you know, we care about them too. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, are there any things uh, with CEOs of tomorrow, any programs that you have not yet told us about? And we're also interested in the future. What are the things that are mm -hmm. going to be coming up for CEOs of tomorrow? Yes. Absolutely. Well, we have lots of programs. So uh, our academy is starting in July. Half the students are from Gambia, it's virtual. Half the students are from the United States. They're taught um, uh, entry-level college entrepreneurship and um, business course. Uh, I teach that course. I don't teach all of them, so it's, it's great when I get a chance to, to teach. That's coming up. Um, we offer scholarships too for that because it's a college course. So the large majority of our students either are on partial or full scholarship. We don't charge a lot. Um, but um, for those who um, would benefit from scholarships, we, we do have them. And that starts in July. What's really cool about it is they get to learn with kids from different countries. Yeah. That's yeah. So 
our mm-hmm. first year in 2020, um, we um, partnered with um, the uh, Middle East International School in Qatar in the Middle East. So half mm-hmm. the students were from Qatar and mm-hmm. half were from um, the United States. And they all took our course together. Last year, the students were from Habaroni, Botswana, half of them. Mm-hmm. And this year, they'll be from two high schools in Gambia. So awesome. yeah. nice, man. That's amazing. Yeah, that is. Openings. One of the things that we don't do is a lot of advertising. Uh, our mm-hmm. first year, we're open to all students. I want to say mm-hmm. that, but we're particular about students who are often marginalized or not given the opportunity. Right. When mm-hmm. we first launched our first camp, it filled in two weeks, uh, mm-hmm. and we have a camp too for fourth through eighth graders. Nice. So. If you have a little kid who's looking to like roll up their sleeves and launch a fun business and make money and make a difference, that happens this summer as well. And registrations open. But I was what I was saying earlier is, you know, it's it's important that um, these these programs have meat and meaning for for young people. Right. Yeah, yeah. We also mm-hmm. we also have um, we've launched our financial wellness uh, education program. CEOs of Tomorrow was asked by the city to create a financial wellness guide for all youth organizations. We partnered with Summit Credit Union. That's been our partner for since inception. Uh, and we've written uh, uh, a very developed curriculum guide that's free um, to the community. It's geared towards um, youth program leaders to integrate financial wellness into their curriculum. But we're excited to share. We just hired 14 teen money mentors. They're from the community. We're training them, both CEOs of Tomorrow and Summit, to be able to teach financial wellness from how to read a pay stub to how to build credit to how to really begin to understand savings, budgeting, uh, and the list goes on and on. And to do it in a way from teens, by teens, for teens. Nice. What, what's empower, what's powerful with this program, uh, and we're we've hired, so now the program is them going out into the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that if you teach a child how to be smart with money, their whole family, community, generations mm-hmm. change. If you can teach so, it, you know it. So we're excited about these young people who are teaching um, entrepreneurship, uh, and that's that's another um, program that we're offering. But yes, you can visit our website at ceosoftomorrow.org to see and learn about our multiple programs that we're offering. Don't have time to go to a program? We also have impactful creations. They're business kits in a box um, for eight to 14 year olds. You can order them right off our website and it comes directly to your home and your child can open a business right in your house. How cool is that? That is awesome. That's a fantastic gift too. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. And shout out to um, Summit Credit Union. They've been doing great things within the community for a long time and really impactful stuff like this. So I love that you have that partnership uh, with them and they have that with you. I, I would agree. 100% of our students, um, our teens have savings accounts. Um, and mm-hmm. if not at Summit somewhere, my mm-hmm. first, and I'll make this quick, when uh, my first program that I launched in 2016 our students went out to sell, um, they made bracelets for $5. They made $800 at an event. Mm. Our profits go to the kids. We don't keep mm. any of their money. Nice. You're not an entrepreneur if somebody else is keeping the money you've made. Right. The yeah. money goes back to the kids. Well, that was on a Friday. I get a call on a Saturday from one of the parents and she's like, I'm at the check cashing place mm. and they're, they won't cash the check. I don't know if you're, I mean, you're probably aware check cashing places are mandatory yep. vendors. Yep. Communities of poverty. Mm-hmm. 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 Havoc yes. on our poor mm-hmm. families. Yes. It was at that moment where I said, I'm not giving another child money until I teach financial mm-hmm. literacy and mm-hmm. how to have mm-hmm. a secure bank account. Right. They're not charging you to cash a check. That's where right. they're not right. high interest rates That's right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, where you can keep your money in a secure place. So mm-hmm. 100% of our teens, maybe not when they come to us, but very shortly after they start a program with us, if they're getting money from us, mm-hmm. we're also um, um, enhancing that experience mm-hmm. by making sure they have a savings account. And oftentimes, if they're working for us, we have many programs that um, they can actually earn wages 
um, that aren't entrepreneur, but entrepreneurial, um, they all also are learning financial wellness and earn a financial wellness badge when they demonstrate proficiency. Mm. Nice. Powerful. So impactful. Yes. That's powerful. Yes. I love, I love what you said. Just if you make the money, but you don't keep the money, you are not an entrepreneur. Right. Exactly. Right. And it's very important. At, it's simple, but it's simple. Us too, that's true. Right. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to manage the money you make, yes. even if you're a millionaire, yep. <laughs> you know, millionaires who are bankrupt, yep. you don't know how to manage the money that you make. Hence why we're teaching them about managing their money and also paying themselves first mm -hmm. um, so that they can begin to really understand the value um, of, of the dollar and how you can use that to really propel yourself. I bought my first house when I was 22. Same. Wow same um, process and strategy thinking about mm. how do you how do you use this dollar even if it's a little <laughs> to go a long way for yourself and how can you use it as an investment to your future mm -hmm. um, and that's really important for all people particularly young people to learn mm. absolutely wow for, for those listeners that are, that are joining in just in this episode I, I would tell you go back to episode one mm -hmm. management mm-hmm mm -hmm. Followed by episode two, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, but that was credit and predatory lending. Yes, sir. Yep. So make sure to. I'm gonna have to go back for you and watch those. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even show them to our students as part of the education that they're getting during Absolutely. financial wellness. Yes. That would be great. That would be great. That would, to love that. Would, that would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So. As we as we close every podcast, we are always looking for new material, new reading material for our, for our readers. Mm -hmm. I'm a reader and listener, so audible material as well. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have a book or two books that you would recommend for our audience to check out? Yes. Um, first, I'm going to say good to great. Mm -hmm. um, I use oh, that okay. as the the um, impetus for my dissertation, mm -hmm. Good to Great, Good to Great focuses on all of these businesses that have withstood the time mm -hmm. and they got better over time, decades, and they get better and better and better. And I use that because one of the things that um, I noticed, there are nonprofits too, which was my research, mm -hmm. that got better and better and better. They went from good mm -hmm. to great. Hmm. I love that book right. because it sets out a model for um, what one should do to really think about like, this is, this is my vision and it seems good, but how can I make it great and sustain yeah. mm -hmm. that greatness? Uh, I do have to say also, you asked about books every yeah. night since I can remember as a child, I read for fun um, because you have to give yourself an opportunity to just, I don't, it's almost like going to you the do. movies every night, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so when you asked about books, I immediately started thinking in that realm. But I'll share one other, and this isn't like a big, you know, everyone is familiar with this book, but Becoming was very inspirational. Yes, yes. Um, and I know that's a very common book, mm -hmm. uh, but I just want to plug it again right. because it's yeah, like yeah. a humble inspiration where where as you're reading it, you see that it's not designed to like inspire you. It just does. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have that in us, right? right? The ability to be ourselves and be an inspiration. Mm -hmm. Don't have to work hard for it, right? Um, people can see it that's just true. by being your authentic self. And that's what that book shows. You know, your authentic self is good enough. Mm -hmm. And it's the best self you have. Uh, and why mm. not dust it off, tie it up, <laughs> and put it I love you. You are an inspiration. Oh my yeah. goodness! Uh, thank you for these gems. Absolutely, I, I appreciate. I, I, man, y'all, we we learned there was so many jewels in this mm -hmm. episode. Thank you so much. Um, also, too, for the listeners, if y'all young, you don't know what that yellow book is. It's a huge book. <laughs> For the phone numbers, free. <laughs> you submit for free. It's like, man, right. We're, we're used to put it on your now. porch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're this has been an now. absolute pleasure. 
And I, I just want to, I don't want to close without saying having this podcast, particularly Black Currency and you all, the impact it has on the community, the listeners, even the listeners who take the information that they hear and share it mm-hmm. is powerful. Mm-hmm. I want to commend you, all three of you, for this. Thank you. Because it is Thank changing you. the world. Uh, and it means something. And I want you to know that you're you're greatly appreciated. Mm. Thank you. There's, that means the world right you. there. I mean, that yeah. means a lot. There's no there's no better way to end. No better way. <laughs> yeah. We we do mm-hmm. want to make sure to, to plug one more time for, for our listeners, uh CEOsofTomorrow.org. Make sure to 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 uh, visit that website if you have young people interested and you heard no barrier to entry. Just just come in and, and, and learn financial literacy and, and and learn about the process of uh, creating your own business, entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Also, those financial wellness tips, make sure to check those out as well. CEOs of tomorrow.org slash uh, financial dash wellness. So you'll be able to check that out as well. You will be able to check out this episode again. Um, on myradio22.com slash Black Currency Podcast. Um, and we will have the vid- video, as always, up on youtube.com slash radio22. So from all of us, first, to I got I got to say the doctor. Yes. <laughs> I almost feel bad if I don't say doctor first. Dr. Rox- Roxy Hintz, mm-hmm. thank you so much for taking the time and being a part of this podcast. We enjoyed it so much, and I know our listeners did as well. Mm-hmm. Thank and you for, so much. It has been an absolute pr- pleasure. And thank you for uh, inviting me. It's been wonderful. All right. And for thank all you. listeners, hey, thank make you. sure to go back. Like we said, episode one and two. Make sure to check those out if you haven't. But uh, yeah, make sure to rewind this back. And until our next episode, everyone have a great one. Bye. Take care. Take care. Peace. Peace. Ain't you sick of giving me your money? Oh, it's. Oh, oh. I know he didn't do it, baby. Whoa, 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 where you going? No, I'm about to go make these drop balls.